hooty hoo to all the blind spots out there. Yes, that, that remember that episode where I couldn't remember what I called my fans? I called you blind spots. Um, I don't know if it's good or not, but I like it. Uh, yes, welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 154. We're rounding out to our third year of doing this, which is crazy. Never would imagine I'd be doing this this long or doing anything this long because uh, it's hard to stay with something for this long with my uh, attention span. So, yes, and when I said attention span, I uh, almost did like a little Harlem Shake, little shimmy thing. Why? Don't know. Um, let's get into this. This is a very powerful episode. Good guest and um, enjoyed the conversation and made another friend. Let's go. Guys, we're gonna jump right in here. Uh, another person who I've become starting to become friends with, and just getting to know. And, and like I said, uh, he's he's a newcomer to this whole thing, but he's uh the more important part is he's trying to get his message out there to help people because what um, ailed him at one point uh, ails a lot of people out there. Um, maybe it's not as talked about as much as it should be. Um, and, um, you know, we need more voices in all avenues. And just because it's something like I like to delve into these other subject matters that even I have no business talking about by myself because I don't have these issues. Um, yes, I, I know what it's like to have a disability, even if it's not the one I have. But when it comes to addiction, I, I don't really have any real addiction. Uh, I have an addictive personality, but I avoid things to note because I know I'll get hooked. That's how I was with video games. So, um, so yeah. <clears throat> so our next guest, we'll just uh, we're just gonna jump right in here. Why don't you um, introduce yourself, buddy, and uh, maybe tell us a little about yourself. You got it, uh, TJ. My name is Doug Sweeney, and uh, I have recently began a small online business called Breaking Bondage from Addiction, and I'm on here today to basically give a, uh, a testimonial, if you will, about who I, who I was, uh, where it started, how long it drugged me down, and uh, finally becoming a, a free life from the bonds of addiction. And so that's who I am and uh, what my pursuit is with this small business is to is to help adult men who know that they have uh, a problem, whether they can verbally or uh, to other people admit it or not. They some, you know, I know, I know, I wouldn't admit it for many years, but um, I knew there was something wrong because I couldn't, I couldn't hold control. I would have control for very short periods of time, and then I would lose control. And so, this is a uh, something I want to start online for people who have already exhausted the secular programming, um, the 12 step programs, uh, all the court mandated programs that are given who have already exhausted them and still failed, uh, like just like myself. And so this is a, uh, faith-based, uh, foundation. I will, I will encourage and walk. I will, I will go back to the process. Uh, I will go back to your steps of the process, the the, addict, the addicted men step, to where they are just sobering up or just cutting back even. 
and I will take them through how I uh, engaged with the process of finally understanding that I was uh, forgiven and uh, the reconciliation therein. So, yes, that's what this business is for, and this is why I'm here today to explain me. No, that's great. I mean, two things here. Like, one of them is that I, um, you know, again, I always say that, like, everyone's method, I have people on here that have different methods for different things, and... You know, uh, your method could definitely change some people's lives. Is it for everybody? No, but it, is it for some? Sure, and that's all that matters. And everybody's taking their swing at it, and it's like whether you fail or succeed at it, it's good that people are actually trying to help those out here that are dealing with addiction because it's not something that just goes away um, no. in, in the grand scheme of things, not just like in a human, but just in general. Like it, addiction's always going to be here, unfortunately. Um, especially because life gets really hard and that's one of the best ways of dealing with it. Maybe not the best ways, but I mean, it's one of the most efficient ways of, of actually, you know, melting your sorrows and just kind of dissolving into these drugs, alcohol, whatever. It's a distraction. Um, and then the, the second thing I wanted to say is like, I'm very proud of you, not just cause I'm getting to know you, but I'm proud of you for one, obviously more importantly is to being sober, obviously, but the second thing is the fact that you are being so open because that is like the key to all this. And, and, and I say this for, for mental health and everything else I talk about and many other people have come on here. It's very important to be as open as you can because I've said this so many times. If you skip one step and if you just talk about the glitz and the glamour, you talk about the sexy parts or you talk about certain things and you leave out the most shameful and embarrassing moments or you leave out like when you hit rock bottom and things like that, you leave that out there is a person out there that might have went to the exact same thing you did, but you skip that one part, they're still going to feel alone, even if everything else right. is the same. So obviously kudos to you for, for being uh, so honest about it. Absolutely. And you're right about it. I, I completely agree with that. You have to because, and I believe I'm uh, fully equipped with uh, every phase of just about everybody out there. I have, uh, my bottoms never got low enough. I, I, I hit another one lower and harder every time and it just wouldn't stop sure um i guess before we kind of delve into your past can you tell us kind of more of like what your your drug or alcohol whatever of your your poison i guess of, of choice sure um well for ultimately in the big in the big picture of everything it was always alcohol it was started with alcohol it ended with alcohol but uh drugs my two main drugs was cocaine and marijuana of course, but, uh, marijuana all my life, cocaine for most of my life off and on. And alcohol was, like I said, from the very beginning to the very end, all the way, all the time. Okay. And, and because a lot of people, you know, marijuana doesn't affect, obviously cocaine is a different story and alcohol is a different story, but marijuana does have its effects of helping people, not just physically, but sometimes right. just for stress. Um, right. if you were to inhale some marijuana now, would, that cause problems for you? I have, uh, I have more good to say about marijuana than, than most any, uh, I, well, I won't say according to who, but, uh, I, I have nothing but good things to say about marijuana. I just know in my life, it's not for me because it will lead me to, uh, the, the, the freeness of other things. Right. And I don't, I, I don't want that. But yes, I, I believe it is a very efficient uh, substance for many people. I think more people probably would be better with it in, in general. But uh, 
I just know for my life and for the life that I pursue and the life, you know, I've tried it, you know, just that, but it always took me back to something else. And therefore I, I, I know in my heart that it's not right for me. Sure. I and mean, you know, they always say that like, and I think it's more propaganda than anything, but they say it's a gateway to, you know, to other drugs. And I think maybe in your right. case it might be, or it's just, you just don't want to get close to anything that could possibly send you any triggers down that path again. Whereas like, you know, yeah. marijuana is not bad for everyone. And you know, who knows, maybe it, it could still help you, but it's like, you're, you're not even going to go down that road. Cause it's, it's not worth it. Cause it, w- nope. the road it could take you down. One could be good or one could be, you know, disastrous. So just avoid it all costs. So, but, but I mean, you hear that antic of, you know, it's the, the gateway drug to everything. And, um, like I said, I guess maybe in your case, maybe it is, but I, I think in a lot of times it's just a way to scare people off of it. Oop, you still there? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, anyway, uh, it was a huge pause and then there was some screaming outside my window. So I was like, Oh no, what happened? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so why don't we kind of like go to the beginning of, of your addictive issues, you know, okay. kind of the, the build up, the lead up to how, how we got here. All right. Uh, so I, I, I was, you know, I was, uh, raised with, uh, both parents. Um, although from a very, very young child, I remember all through my childhood up until I was 18 and I finally moved out. Uh, I had a very aggressive, a very, uh, angry, unhappy father. Um, there was always fighting between him and my mother. He he became abusive. Um, he left a lot of shame and a lot of things that I didn't want to remember. And uh, so I I basically became very introverted because I was always walking on eggshells at home. And before you knew it, uh, I probably the age twelve, I believe, the first time. I began to take of, and he, by the way, I don't think, know if I said it or not, but he was a, a very, very much a, a functional, with what the world calls as a functional alcoholic. He drank day in, day out. He drank less on his work days, but he drank heavier on his off days. And he had just as many off days as he did work days. Right, right. So... There was always that, and the more he drank, the more angry, yelling, screaming, uh, abusive, uh, violently tearing things up in the house, it was. And so, at age 12, I began to, that was my first thing I reached out to, was beer. And uh, I I would take his little at a time, store him up until I got five or six, and then drink him. And I did that. Off and on for a couple of years until I was about 14 or 15, started working and uh, earning money. And then I drank more and more and more and drank so much more. By the time I was 16, 17, I was, you know, running away from home. I had my license, um, getting, uh, got a couple of DUIs as a juvenile back to back. You know, I was raised watching him drink and drive, but he was, as the world would call, functional. He didn't, he he didn't do anything dumb. He didn't speed. He didn't. And back then, drinking and driving wasn't 
pursued or looked hard, looked as hard as it, as it is now for at all. We're talking about 35, 40, almost 40 years ago. And, uh, so here I am in, in my excess and my radical passion of abuse. I was crazy. I had no function. I, I was unfunctional all, all the time. And finally, I was just getting more DUIs. I had uh, I had more DUIs at under 21 before I could even drink than most people's even had in their lifetime. Do you do you know like why you were drinking? Like, were you trying to escape your father? Were you trying? Were you it was like your father, like your your idol, and you wanted to kind of do what he was doing? Like, what, what, what do you do? You understand your reasoning why you were drinking? Yes, I. Uh... Until it, it was in, it was right after I first started, I realized I could finally talk. I could finally share feelings and, 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 and feel more comfortable to even, you know, discuss something, you know, usually with not the right, the appropriate crowd, you know, friends who, what, you know, friends at school that were, were already in trouble, the, the, the wrong crowd, if you will. But at least I could get some words out. I could talk. I could, because I was always, I never, I was so introverted for so long, you know, growing up my whole life that I, all I had was embarrassment and shame. You know, I had to, I, I had to see the, the counselors at school because, uh, children's services would, would meet me through them because of, you know, somebody, one of the neighbors calling them on my house or something. Or I would uh, have to wear, you know, pants, jeans in the summer to cover up marks, things like that. I was always, I was just very ashamed and very embarrassed. And so I never spoke about anything. I just kept, I was the most silent, unspoken child for so many years. And then when I drank, I could be freer. I could be opener. I could, I could engage with other people and things. So that's what really yeah you let down your guard called me to subscribe right subscribe to it and then i went into it full-fledged and uh just never stopped i just i just increased my tolerance i ended up drinking you know uh high proof liquor by age 16 17 and then by 18 i was in into cocaine not full full-fledged but way too many times way too often and, uh, and then I would have, you know, car accidents. I was having car accidents from my drinking and driving until, you know, other people were being affected. And then I was going to jail for my DUIs and I was going to jail for my marijuana possessions and to prison for cocaine possession and all these things. You know what I mean? It just, I, I would, I would go and have another rock bottom and then the next one would go even farther and then it was just it was a constant back and forth did you keep saying to yourself like this is the last time i'm not gonna ever come back all the time yes i said that all the time i said and i you know and i would get i would i was in inpatient uh, rehab at age 17 i was a junior in high school and uh the only reason i i was even asked i was on probation um and i was even asked if uh i could if I could foretell myself as to be an alcoholic or did I believe I already was? And I just thought that was the most off the wall question 
ever because I thought I'm 17 years old. You know what I mean? Like I would never ever think that, but they asked me if I wanted to go into inpatient rehab. And the only reason I, I was full, full fledged for it was because I hated school and I knew I was going to be out of school for 30 days. So I went to this inpatient rehab and, uh, I wasn't even an adult, but I, everyone else there was. It was an adult inpatient rehab, and I was 17. <laughs> and they had me in there, and it's the first time I was introduced to the program, the AA program. And so I'm in there with everybody older, and I'm, it's my first uh, time ever of actually breaking the walls down of my emotions and stuff and, and understanding a little bit about the thing, the pain points that I'm suffering, uh, and why I drank and things like that. But the program, even then, even then on my very first time, I just knew that there just wasn't something, there something didn't connect with me, uh, in my, in my, my, the heart, the conscience of my heart, something didn't connect because their motto and their and their method and their whole systematic uh, value system about that for me was they have no accountability. They just felt like it, it's a disease. It's a disease. You can't help it. You can't help it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I bought into that, even though I didn't buy into it. I was like, I was straddling that virtue or that unvirtue rather. Uh, back and forth for so many years between the court sending me back to do another program or an intensive outpatient program because I got too many DUIs in short period of years or, you know, I was just, I was, I was always in and out of it back and forth for so many years. And finally, uh, I mean, I just, I came to a point where I had another accident, um, another car accident, and somebody in my car did not make it. It was a one-car accident, and my passenger, who willingly went with me, and we closed, we drank all night till the bar closed. I was taking him home. We ran off the road, rolled uncountable times, were both ejected, and he did not make it. And so I, uh, I almost didn't make it. I was care flighted to the hospital, went to the hospital and, uh, didn't wake up for several days. Yeah. Can I add something? And, uh, yes, go ahead. Yeah. So like, cause what you're saying, I mean, beyond just the obvious, but sometimes like you, you, you do something and you keep going back to your old behaviors and obviously in your case with yes. addiction. And if you don't ever like peel back your layers and you don't make yourself like mentally naked and you address everything, you tend to just continue to repeat yourself. So like in your case, going to jail, it's like, Oh, I can't wait to get out of here. And if you don't actually repent and you don't actually, you know, address the issues and you don't talk to yourself and you don't really look at what the, the constant problem is in this situation, not just you, but why you're making these mistakes you just keep making them so that when you actually get out, it's like, oh, a couple of days went by. All right, well, that wasn't so bad. And then you just keep doing it until you're forced with something that alters your yeah. whole situation. In this case, someone unfortunately passing away. 
It's like right. there is there is no blocking this one out, especially if it's a person you care about. But even even if it was just a random passenger, like the fact that on your behalf, because of and again, yeah, they might have been drunk too, but you were the one driving, and and like it, it makes you have to really peel those layers back and go, wow, like and, who and I? you're you're you are you're right on about that. I uh, I never had done anything, even though most people would just be jaw dropped about the things that I had done because I had already been through the windshield of a car. I had already been through the moonroof of a car for my crazy drunk driving. I had already been back and forth to the prisons. I had already done this and already done that. I've already been so embarrassed. You think I would have, like you said, stopped and reexamined and and, and everything. But this is how far it got for me in my, my life. And then it, it was, it was at this point because, when I woke up, I'm told about this and I'm not believing it because I don't have a physical memory to anything about it. As of now, I still don't. And I don't believe God has pretty much confirmed with me that I will never physically remember this. So I couldn't even believe that this had happened. And I really couldn't believe that, you know, I was in the hospital for a couple months, but uh, I couldn't believe that I was ever let out because with my record, they should have been right there to haul me away if I was really the operator of this vehicle. Sure, you should have been and, cuffed to the bed. Right. Well, that's what I would have thought anyway. But the, they just hadn't drawn up the indictment yet. And then finally they did. They did um, about three months after I got out of the hospital. And I still am all bound up. I can't walk. I can't do anything. I, I was I was broken back, broken up real bad. But by the time they came and got me, it was three months after I had gotten out of the hospital, five, almost five months after the accident. And when they got me, I, I did not know how to deal with it because I I was still not serving no memory to this whatsoever. And I got a letter and I had went to, for some reason, I don't know what had happened. Something was going on in the county jail uh, this day, and they came around asking people who wanted to go to this Bible study. And I decided I wanted to because there was a whole bunch going on in the dorm that I did not want to be present with. Plus, I'm just barely, I'm physically unable to deal with anything because I can't even hardly walk. I got a little crutch I'm hobbling around on. And I go to the Bible study, I come back, and I have a piece of mail that I wasn't even expecting. And this piece of mail was from the victim's mother. This oh. guy that was in my this guy that was in my car was the ex husband of my girlfriend. My girlfriend and he was married. He had a son with her that lived in our home that I made his breakfast every morning. I made his lunch to take to school every day. So I was, I was more, in, I was more filtrated with his son than he was. And because he kind of just, he kind of just ran around, he hustled, he played pool, he did his own thing, but he wasn't much of an, he wasn't much engaged with his son. Sure. But nonetheless, what I'm getting at is that he, it would, this is who this 
guy was. This was who the victim was. He was he was my girlfriend's ex-husband. And so his mother already knew me. And finding out, I get I come back from this Bible study, I open this letter and I read these words that she wrote, and I just broke down because she tells me in this letter that an hour and a half after she finds out about her son's passing, that she stood right there with my mother praying for my survival. And you have to understand, before I read that, uh, the very, for three months, I was, I didn't want to live. I didn't want to live because I didn't want to be the reason somebody lost their life, let alone somebody who had a son. Because I didn't have children. Sure. And I and I had not even the 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 victim had not even had one fraction of the chances at life that I had already had. Yeah. He had never been locked up throughout the through the times that I had been locked up. He had never been to prison. He had never been given so many chances that, as I had, and it was it was unconscionable for me to understand how God can let him go and not me. Right. And so when I'm reading this from his, his mother, that's, that was the mysterious, most lively, spiritually truth that I was forgivable mm-hmm. to know that she sat there with my mother praying for my survival in the hospital after being terrified there for, I was, I was out for over four or five days. I think he was already buried before I woke up. Yeah. I wanted to um, ask you because before you even said that, like, as you lamented, like, did you really want to live even before that though? Because I mean, you were kind of just on a collision course of just crashing your cars and drinking to you were silly. Like, like what was I'll your, be honest with you. yeah. Do you know what was I, your take on life before that accident? Like, were you, were you happy? I was not happy, no. And I did not wear my seatbelt, no. And I didn't do anything good for myself, no. Because I didn't, I, I, I was like, I was never suicidal, but I was never like, I'm going to do all I can to protect myself. Never. I was, I was the opposite. I was self-destructive. I used and abused so much that I... I had already flatlined. I had already been resuscitated. I had already had my stomach pumped. I had already been brought back. You know what I mean? Sure. Umpteen times. The wrecks that I was in, the things that I've done, the the carelessness with with just, you know, promiscuity and, and, and the things that I had done in life. I had just, I didn't have any, any value. I didn't because I was always, I was, I, I, I didn't have, and you know, what I'm leading up to and one of the major uh, criterias of becoming free was I didn't have forgiveness. I didn't, I I, I didn't even think about me being forgivable, but I didn't have forgiveness at, at, at my father and at the way that I was brought up feeling all of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you were essentially not taking the, I mean, you didn't have really the guts to kill yourself and maybe whether you did or didn't want to die, but you also weren't taking the precautions to live a better life. You were just kind of, 
I don't know, in a haze where you're just like, screw it. Like, whatever happens, yeah. happens. No seatbelt? I right. don't know. I mean, how many times do I drive this car and how many times do I get in an accident? It's, you know what, 5% of the times I get in the car? Which is still, I mean, whatever, right. whatever the percentage is, it was, yeah. it was a low percentage. But based on what you were doing, obviously doing it while drunk and all, it takes, it exacerbates all those percentages and makes it much harder. But so there's a party, there was like a some sort of deep down mental feeling that maybe you did want to die. But it's just like you never knew how to actually act on it. Right. So you were yep. acting out with all these different methods that you were using um, to kind of yep. numb yourself from the life that you were in pain and, and hated. Right. And see, I want I want something. I want to make be clear about this also. Um, I really, I really had no, I really didn't try to live good or to live you know, a long life whatsoever. But I, you know, when it, I never believed in suicide, my mom had, she kind of instilled in me when I was young that suicide was, you know, a, a first, first class ticket to, to hell for eternity. And, and whether it is or it isn't that I'm not debating that, but it was in my mind all the time. So I just, sure. It just lived on the edge, always living on the edge. And if I went, I went. And if I didn't, then I just kept going. You know what I mean? That was my thing. Yeah, if something's beaten to your head enough, even if you even if you don't have a good relationship with that person or this was said many years ago, some things are just ingrained in you. And you're just like, many years later, you like it just pops up out of nowhere. You're like, where the hell did that come from? And you're like, oh. That just never went away. I just haven't thought about it. I threw it back in the closet and it just reappeared one day. I will say that my mom was my, uh, my mother was my backbone. She was a wonderful woman. She loved me, loved me, loved me. She always forgave me. She always had encouragement after the 3700th time that I said, I'll change. She always had that. Sure. And that was, that was, that was something that I'll never I'll never get over or never, you know, forget. Because every time you said it deep down, she's hoping that you mean it. Right. She had a mother's hope always. It was living and active at all times. She never gave up on me. That's very sweet. And I was blessed to be able to show her finally, you know, she's been gone for several years now, but I was finally able to show her because after this accident and after opening that letter from the victim's mother, I was able, that was my, that was my turning stone right there because those were her words on this letter, but those were God's words to my spirit's conscience because I could not fathom being forgiven. I knew how many times I had turned aside. I knew how many times I said, no, not now, no, not now, no, not now. And I know how many times that I just kept getting deeper and deeper and farther and farther away. And when I saw these, these, this letter, I know who wrote the letter, but I also know, you know, the intention of, and the motive of where that, where that message came from in that letter. And it was at that moment, it was at that time right then and there that I had just decided, I knew I was, I believed I was guilty of this. I believed I was the, the driver of that vehicle because I know my, I know my will. I know who I was. It, it was my car, even though you couldn't really determine it to be a car because it was, it was twisted beyond belief. It had no wheels. I think the axles were ripped off of it. 
it was going. And yeah, but it was hard. I don't have them anymore. I think they existed for a while. I think my dad had them for a while. Uh, I don't uh, know. I just asked because, like, when I get really down and, and beat myself up over whatever. Right. I, just I, look at that. I still have pictures of me when I had no skin and I was dying. And it's like, right. whatever that kid was going through, even though it was me, like, that kid was going through hell. What you're going through right now might not be great, but it's not that. And so right. I was just wondering if you yeah. ever took the time to look at that and realize like how far you've come, because that's a vehicle that's yeah. destroyed. You should be dead. Um, right. And you're still here yeah. and you're here for obviously a reason. You're right. I know I am. And uh, so anyway, I made that decision right then and there. And I knew that the, 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 the discovery packet of uh, evidence was going to come out. They were going to indict me and lo and behold, it happened. Um, I got indicted for uh, aggravated vehicular homicide. It was a felony two. I faced eight years. And with my record, I expected every one of them. You know what I mean? To throw the book at you. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was in and out of the court for quite a while, for almost a year. And I finally, they dropped it to an F3. I faced five years and I got four. Plus, I had some, they had me for possession, too, because uh, when they picked me up, I still had substances of, of drugs that was enough to weigh out for a possession charge. And I got four years and 10 months, and I went, I made the decision from reading her letter that I was, out. you know, I already knew what the joint was like. I knew the lifestyle, and I knew how hard it was going to be to to lay my life down and follow what God's word was teaching. And when I did that, I was led the entire time as with hope. And I actually, you know, I was in a closed security prison, which was one degree less than max. And I, I, I never in my life had been freer anywhere else at that time. Than I was there because I had a I had a true fellowship of brothers who also had laid their life down for Christ and I had people to, to grow with I had people to study with I had chapel services I had Bible studies I had outside ministries coming in I had the I had the bread to be nurtured by and I did that and I I I, I had a good job had the best job in there I had a system of routine. I got, you know, it was, it was, I built myself up to come out and, and to, you know, be ready this time. So you use and prison not for, only that, you use not, prison for what it's actually intended for to rehabilitate. Yeah. Which, which is really only done by, by the person who sits and decides to, you know what I mean? The system is just a play of words. Right. There is no, there is no real DRC until the person exam self examines their own their own heart and everything. But when I got when I was forgiven, then the one of the very first things that I had to come to to knowledge of is that I had to forgive. And whether or not I was going to figure out how it was going to be done was neither here nor there. I just my heart had to know that I had to forgive in order to keep going forward. And when God God did that to me. God after he sh- after he showed me that I was forgivable, that it was less than two or three months later 
that he he completely blindsided me that I had so much to forgive of my father. I was going to say, who did you have to forgive, your father or you or both? Yeah, my father. I had to forgive him because he was the he was the he was the the fence that I remained captive in for all them years. You know what I mean? He was the one because, because of how he made me feel because of how I, I, I never did anything right. I never did. I never needed to be in in sight. He wanted me out of sight. He wanted me away and he wanted to ridicule and demean everything. Not that's, that's being subtle in comparison to how he, how he was, but, and so I had to forgive him. And when I did not realize how I was going to do that, God knew, God, I, I just prayed and prayed. And then finally, it be, it became clear to me that it was just, it was almost to say that it was good enough that my heart knew that I had to, and I just had to do it in prayer. But it was a couple of months later on, I finally did write him something and, and, whether he understood it or not, I'm not sure. But between God and me, I knew it was done. And after that happened, then I just, it was like stepping on the gas and I kept going forward faster. Yeah. And I, I really became free because of it. Yeah, you feel like, like, you know, sometimes when someone, especially someone that brings you into this world, someone important to you says something to you like, oh, you... You know, like my sister, one thing with her is when she was like in her teens, she was having her issues with her, her dad and things. And he would say things to her like, oh, you know, well, if you're going to go go out and act like a whore then. And so then she would go act very slutty and, you know, date guys and do things and whatever, be promiscuous and things. And it's like she was just kind of even though what he said was wrong, she basically was just like, OK, I'm going to prove you right. And so like with your father. Was it just like, were you just like, oh, okay, so you think I'm garbage, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm nothing and I don't mean anything, yeah. so then I'm just going to be nothing. Was that your way of looking at it or I, do you have a different I, I'll be honest with you, back then I would not know how to answer that, but in a, to, a, to an extent, I believe that there was a large part of that because I remember so distinctively, you know, between 14 and 15, before I was even licensed to drive or anything, I would... I would stay all night somewhere at friends and then come home completely hungover or still under the influence or something. And they knew. And then my dad would just say, you're going to be in prison. First thing you're going to be in prison. You're going to go to prison. You're going to, you're never going to get anywhere. If you keep hanging around them, you're not going to do any of this. And my mom would always say, you know, would she would always t- tell him not to say that because then it would happen. Or that, you know what I mean? Things like that. And so, you know, deep, deeply psychologically, I think, I think that that did play a part in it. Never that I ever aimed at that. I never aimed at going to prison my first time at age 19. I never aimed at uh, doing anything because I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a bad guy. My mom, my mom put all the emotional and all the good virtues that I've always had in me, but I, I didn't, I, I, it's like he said it so much that I almost, my, my, my addiction in, in the life that I lived and the carelessness that I had for myself 
proactive these things that actually manifested that he claimed. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean that's that's the thing. Like you, sometimes you just you really don't know how much, no matter how much you hate someone, and again, especially when we're relating to a parent, sometimes you hate someone so much or you have such anger towards them, you don't realize how much of them is actually in you and how much you're actually just being more like them the more you kind of push away. You think that you're being different. You think that you're actually just going, oh, well, I'll do the opposite. But then you just kind of fall into his trap. It's just the difference with him is he could function. Maybe he could be abusive or mentally or abusive and and he can curse at you and, and what have you. But, like, he can function, but you couldn't handle the alcohol like he he could. It doesn't make it right either way. But, you know, like I said, a lot of times we tend to camouflage ourselves in, you know, and how they act. And we just don't realize that we think, like I said, we think we're so different from them. But when you're you're born, like, it's a lot of these things are in your gene pool and you just don't know they're there. And then it takes later when you actually realize, like, you know, because I'm sure one of the things, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but... When me and my dad were not in great, uh, you know, spirits, we weren't, you know, on good conversation wise, my mom would say, well, you're acting like your father. And that would just piss me off. But there were times where she was actually right. Now, mine wasn't alcohol. Mine was more like anger um, because my dad had like anger issues. And, you know, he works on them today and I'm very proud of him. But I mean, back then I would act out and I would just be enraged about things and I would, you know, take it out on her or whoever. And I had to go to like anger management classes, but there, I never hated it more, hated her more when she would just go, you're acting like your father. Or she would call me because everyone calls me TJ and I'm, I'm a junior, but most people called him Tim. Um, and so she was just, okay, Tim. And, and because that's what she called him. And that would just get under my skin. But there are times where she was actually right. I was being like him and you don't think about it because you, you think you're just acting out and you're doing the opposite of what he, he does. But the reality, you're, you're kind of just doing, you're just mimicking him without knowing it. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that's a hard pill to swallow um, at that time. But when, you know, when something is tragic, what happened to you and, and to the person that was killed, like you have to sit there and you have to strip yourself naked mentally and just go, okay, what is it? is the problem here. And you got to, I mean, it starts obviously with your father. And if you don't address those issues and you just let them go at some point, it's going to come back to haunt you because you don't address something just cause it, just cause you don't feel it or you haven't sensed it in a while, or you haven't talked about it in a while. You haven't thought about it in a while. Many, many years go by. doesn't mean it's gone. And especially something like what you were going through, um, you know, right. you have to address these things and it's, but, you know, I've been so fortunate over these last so many years that uh, I never understood. I never understood why I went through, you know, the number of things that I went through with addiction and, and, and the effects that it caused me when so many other people, it, it's so less effectual. But in reality, it affects everybody in, in, to their own measure in, in different ways. And, and I've been on every side of it. I've been on, I've been on the, on the good side of it where I'm, I'm, I'm handling it. I'm working 60 hours a week and still using every day or, and then I've been on the other side of it where I'm not working at all and I'm just barely scraping by, but, but, but living in, in, in a drunkness 
or whatever. So I've been on all sides of it. And since and where I was going was in the, you know, since I've been doing this and now that I had started this site and everything, I, I feel, I honestly feel that God has equipped me so strongly to help the hurting man in bondage. And we all, or, or, or you know, anybody in addiction is an addiction because at first there was bondages. There was a captivity that had to be medicated, that had to be suppressed. And I mean, I, I, I don't think, I don't ever believe for one moment that addiction is just created because, for, for anything other than a, a first beginning pain point that needs to be felt, that needs to be altered or suppressed or some way to be, you've got to feel better for some reason. And that's what my, that's what my curriculum is going to be about. It's going to be about, and, and it's not going to be easy. This isn't easy at all, but I want to go back with, you know, with that person. I want to go back with them to that pain point. Yeah. You have to go to where it all started. You gotta, you gotta go through your whole journey and, and break it down little by little. And once you kind of honestly address it, and you discuss it and you and whether it's therapy or something like a program like yours if you're able to do that it makes it much easier but it, it it's it's the guilt and the shame and everything that just getting you know, your, your mental health and all that that's what gets in the way of all of it because you want to look a certain way you want to be perceived a certain way but if you like i said and you strip yourself mentally you're you're so vulnerable and now you're more susceptible to judgment and, and people criticizing you and thinking different of you because, oh, I did this in a past life and this is who I was. And deep down, I was acting a certain way, but this is who I really am. And maybe a lot of people didn't know the real you for so long. And you, you're afraid to show who the real you is because, one, you might not know who he is. Maybe you're not a fan of them um, and who knows. But... There's so many ways, there's so many reasons why people just are afraid to, to come out of that shell because it's, it's scary. But as, as I was telling you the other day when we were talking about, um, you know, you becoming new into this podcast field and trying to, you know, share your experiences, I told you of all the, some of the things I've gone through and how it was mentally draining when I first did it the more I talk about it now I can say them in passing and it has no effect on me because I know what I'm doing is helping people. So, and and it's helping me to become thick, not only thicker skin, but it's helping me to just deal with my issues and, and realize, okay, they are what they are. It's not going to define me and I'm going to still try to find the better version of me. And, and, and that'll definitely come with the more you talk about it. You're going to be okay because you're in such a better place and, and you're, you're, you're clear headed, you're sober in many ways, but you know, the real version of sober sobriety you have. And, and that's, that's, you know, that is, you know, I'm sure you could have never pictured where you would be right now. Never, never. Then. And, and I want to, I want to add though, but I never would have, I never would have without, you know, our God who has, who has awakened my mind. I mean, you know, the God of this world is, is the enemy, the prince of disaster, of deception, and, 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 and just 
blinding our, our, our minds to the things that we're held captive to. And so being free in Christ and, and knowing, you know, and not, you know, forgive me, but to knowing, to, to know who has already had, had victory and, and, and who, who's I can be if I, if I give myself to them, then that's where it is all for me. And he always desires more from us than just sobriety. It's not, it's not only sobriety, but he wants us to experience the freedom that he has. And that's what I'm experiencing. I'm not just a sober worldly guy now. I'm a sober, free child of God. And that's, and it's for him. It's for his purpose. He desires to change my life and bring that freedom. And this is what I never, you know, never dreamed of. And I'm, I, 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 I will, I, I know that this is, this is abrupt and I know that this is like radical and, and many people's and many addicts lives or minds that would be very radical, but there's a process. There's a subtlety process. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mandating anything. I just ask somebody to pour out to me. I want somebody to pour out to me. My site is breaking bondage from addiction and I have a free unchanging, uh, uh, a reference for unchanging hope that I would love for anybody, any adult man to come and check out. And I, I implore that you just, you know, you click and schedule a 15 minute zoom with me. And nothing needs to be done but just that Zoom call. Let's just talk. I just want to talk with somebody who just wants to be done of trying to figure out a way to keep control, try to manage their bank accounts without, you know, wasting it all on this and that. Yeah, I mean, I I can just say this from even just off air talking to you and you know, you're a very genuine person. I'm very big on picking up on energy and, and vibes from someone and, and, and your aura and all that. And it's like, you can tell that you really want to get this right so bad because you know how much this meant to you and how much it changed your life. And you know how bad this, like as bad as your story is, there's people that are actually worse than your story. Somehow, I know. somehow I know. you know, so it's like, you know, that if you can make a small difference while you're still on this planet, you can make a difference. It, 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 it's so beautiful and impactful that, like I said, you want to get it right so bad. And, and you know, like, like I said, we, we talked about, you know, just you trying to get into this field now and trying to do, you know, open up and share with everyone because you just want to help. And, and again, when you look around, there's so much negativity and darkness out there. And the fact that you're, 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 you're taking your time and you're you're just doing your part, and that's that's all you can do. And, and um, everybody has their experience in certain things, and you have the the tools that you need to to use to help people just like you. And that's, there's so many that people like you, um, right. that are in better stages than you, worse stages than you, somewhere in the middle. Um, and I'm sure you've met a lot of people along the way. Or just you know, that have helped you, but also you've helped them yourself because it's, it's good to know right. that you're, you're not alone while you're doing this. Right. It's, um, no, I mean, and like I said, I'm very proud of what you, what you're doing, man. It, it's, it's really great. And, 
I hope. Um, I, yeah. I feel the same about you. I think I think it's beautiful that you want to help. You know, people that are always cast out or or less less attended to just because of things that are understood. You know what I mean? I think I think we should always be uh, reaching out to understand, especially those who are less understood. Especially those, you know what I mean? Yeah, when you get called names or some somebody throws something out you, you get called something, or you know, you're the kid that's sitting at the the table by yourself, or you know, whatever. Or, and just and how many ways life can just show you that you're an outcast and that you're alone and 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 make you feel less than everyone else. You have to speak up, man. You don't because again, I'm I'm not saying I'm the most outspoken person or I'm the uh, most independent or, or whatever I, but I'm trying my best to make sure that, cause I know I'm way better than what I used to be. I'm way more clear headed and I'm, I'm way more open and, and vulnerable because that's okay. I don't, I don't care what people think about me anymore. I, if someone judges me, they judge me. I've been judged all through my life. So I'd rather put myself out there and, and be, I guess in some ways, one of the sacrificial lambs that makes it easier for those. So others don't have to go through what I have to go through or what you have to go through or many others. Cause, we, cause it shouldn't be so hard to get your story out there and to help others. Um, right. cause the algorithm is so kind of rigged for negativity to kind of just purify through it, it, just push through. And, and that's all you see out here, but there's a lot of people doing great things. And, and so, you know, I appreciate it, man. And it, you have to do your part. You just have to. If you want to do some good, do it. Just find right. your niche. You don't. Ha- I, I say this many times. You don't have to do a podcast. You don't have to do a book. You don't have to do a YouTube channel. You don't. You you find your niche. Whatever it is that you do, do it. And right. you know, like I said, everybody has their way. As long as you you do your part. Um, and yeah, for me, I've, it's always been key for me is is starting with disabilities, but then moving on to all these other topics as well. And they're all intertwined anyway. There's so many people with disabilities that have been homeless or have addiction issues. And there's so many people who have addiction issues that are uh, homeless. And, and, you know, people that dealt with physical domestic violence or have dealt with, you know, a disability or whatever. Like, it's all intertwined. And so we have to, we, we deal with our issues because we can only focus on so many at once. But then when, when we need to, we come together and we help each other out because that's what we need to do because we're so segregated and we're so... Uh, just separated from other causes and we're kind of in a, a lot of people are tend to just be so selfish and they're into what they're into but we have to think bigger and not just these little small-minded little corners that we stay in because that's not we're not getting anything done right i agree um the question i really wanted to ask you so how long have you been sober i've been sober for many many years i don't even have an exact number um been a long time. It's been a very long time. So it's over ten years. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That is yeah. Awesome. And I don't, you know, I don't. I could, if I sit and examine that, I didn't even think about that question because I haven't thought about that forever. But that that's something the program does. They really want to nail down how many years, months, and days, and weeks, and all that. I don't. I I don't focus too heavily on that. I just focus on on the on the process of just learning my freedom deeper and, and helping the others like you're talking about right now all that yeah. it's just, 
and that's where I go. I go forward and not look back to where I was. Uh, that's what it, go ahead. Have you had any triggers? Like, can you go to a bar? Let's say not, maybe not go to drink, but let's say go to like a restaurant, like a, a Texas roadhouse or an olive garden. Absolutely. Or somewhere. You can Absolutely. go and not be affected. Yes. Yes. I have, I have a wonderful woman who loves me, who has, who, who comes from nowhere that I have come from, but has, but, but accepts me and loves me unconditionally. And she and her and I, we go to nice restaurants all the time with, you know, alcohol being served or that have nice bars or whatever. And that's not even an issue now because that's not, that's not my life. That's not my walk. That's not my daily walk. I'm involved with my church. I have a small community that we have a group there with. Uh, and so that's where I, that's where I, that's where I live now. I live in that algorithm. I live in the algorithm of, of a purpose of an intentional, uh, help and hope and, and all these things. And I just want to do for, you know what I mean? Cause I know that I shouldn't even be breathing. I shouldn't even have a physical, <laughs> I shouldn't even have a physical ability after everything. I've broken everything at least once. I've, bashed the right side of my brain with hemorrhaging on the same side twice. I've done, I've been through so much because of my addiction life and, and the environments that I've been in, the gunshots that have been aimed at or shot off at me, everything. I mean, to, to have what I have now, I want nothing more than to give back. And that's what that's, I, I live to serve direct i guess yeah yeah when when you when you basically see the end and you kind and and you make it it's like wow and you're able to deal with all that came with it you have a different outlook on life and you you can you still have to take care of yourself but you like you're like i don't want this to end and then you know you do have such a good woman in your life and and all that like that and when i and when I see, when I see an addict and when I, you know, I see an, there's a, there's a pet store real right next door to uh, a liquor store in the town that I'm from right now. And I will be going to this pet store. I'll take my little, my little dog in there and, cause she's allowed to go in and we'll go in there and get, you know, her food if it's on sale. Cause it's outrageous now. I like everything, but <laughs> we'll go in there and I'll see I'll see an older lady or in scrubs or I'll see someone else at 9 a.m. going in the liquor store and I'll look at them in the face and I'll, and I'll recognize every, every wall, every, every, uh, every deception that she's living in or he's living in or anything. And I'll see that pain and they are going in there and coming out with their fifth or their leader because that's, that's, that's what they're, that's what they're doing. You know what I mean? And I'll just, I'll, I'll think back to where I was when I was doing that. It just, it just hurts me. You know what I mean? It hurts me because someone, you know, it's time, it's time to be free. It's time to be, it's time to, to see the the purpose of life, to, to see that you can, you can be, okay without that you can more than okay but you can literally live life there was no living life in addiction there was never that yeah 
Well, I think when you said, when I asked you how long you've been sober and you didn't know, I think there's something great about that in a way because I think the people that are, like, you're not living to be sober. You're, like, living to just be alive and, and to just yeah, be happy living and to, to live. help. Whereas a lot of people, I think when they're counting, it's almost like an addiction to that where it's like, oh, it's 100 days. Oh, it's a month. Now it's right. six months. And they're, they're just so, like, they're wanting to see the number go up, which if it helps, it helps. So whoever's, you know, if it helps you, great. But, I mean, sometimes you get so lost in that that you kind of forget, like, you also have to live, too. Like, you can't just, yeah. you can't just focus on your sobriety, which it, it's very important. But you're, like, your sobriety is almost like in the background now. Whereas like when right. you, like where you didn't address your issues with your father and all the, the negativity was what lingered back there. Now it's just like, oh yeah. And I've been sober for decades, but it's like, it's not you anymore. It's it doesn't define you. It's, it's, you know, you, you're sober, but it's almost like as if you've, you've never been like, never had issues because it's going on for so long that it's like, right. yeah, this is just, this is me now. Like there is no, there is that, that other version of me. He's dead. He died in that car crash or he died he before I went right into jail. So that, I think that's the best yeah. part about you is like, I don't think your sobriety, like obviously you're not embarrassed to talk about it. It's, it's there. It's part of you, but you're on such a different mission. You're so far now removed from that day and, and, and from that car crash and everything. Like you're, you're, you're just talking about the good parts and what change. I mean, you're talking about the bad, but showing you where you came from and where you are now that like your sobriety, like I said, is, 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 is like secondary or thirdary to, to anything, which is great because like I said, you're just you now. And the sobriety part is just a part of you. Right. You definitely, uh, you definitely have some good, uh, inter or, uh, relational, uh, skills and knowledge. You're right about everything you just said. Yeah, I appreciate. And again, I have no. I, I I've had plenty of people in my life that have had issues with drugs and and alcohol and things. But me myself, no. But it's it just if you have empathy for something and you're willing to open your mind and 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 you know watch documentaries and just experience. Like I honestly, I thought of recently just going to some like AA meeting and not because I have an issue, but just being around these people because I don't I don't judge them. Like I want to see what they go through because I'm 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 curious because I I you know I I try to do things to help people who are homeless and obviously I know what it's like to have a disability and I like to be around people who are going through because I don't I have no ounce of judgment towards them because I know what it's like to feel like in my case my mental health where I just was at the bottom and I wanted to die and I know what it's like to just give up on life and and I know what it's like to start all over and have to try again. And, and it sucks because there's nothing worse than feeling like you're at the very beginning and you have to start over because it feels like insurmountable, like you'll never, ever get to the top. But you can. And, and it's just to me, I'm always in awe of people who are, are, are fighting because, I'm, I, you know, those those people inspire me. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to be like you, you don't know how long you've been sober. But if someone's like, look, I've been sober for three months, that's still something. Because that's three months of willpower that they had to like drag themselves. Because if they're three months sober, that means they're not far removed from their bottom. And so those three months took everything. So however it is, like I'm always in, in awe of those type of people that are just trying to, to better themselves. Even if they're making mistakes. So, um, yeah. So like I said, I, I try to surround myself and I try to force myself to have experiences Maybe not directly like that because obviously I'd have to drink, but I don't like alcohol because I saw what it did to my father. 
Um, right. I saw what it did to other people. And drugs was never on the radar. I never even smoked a cigarette. Um, I have nothing uh, nothing against marijuana. I've done CBD oil with a little THC and things, but that's just more to sleep or for anxiety. But um, but I love surrounding myself with people like you who have the experiences so I can learn and just sit back and just let people teach me what it's like because though I, I never want to actually directly deal with those issues, I do want to learn about them because I, I, I don't want to have judgment towards someone like you who's just sitting there downing a bottle and you know that they're not being a good father. They're not good at being a great person, but there's, there's a reason they got to this point. It's not, it, maybe they're not being the best person, but there's a reason they got here, whether it's their fault or not. We don't know, but everyone has a story. And for me, I, I try not to write people off just because of some, some obvious reason why they're not the greatest person at this point in time. But, um, yeah, um, you think you, have, you believe you covered everything you wanted to cover? I think so. I, uh, I would just like to, I just would like to close. Uh, sure. it's been very comfortable talking with you about this and, and, and I guess formatting the things that I want to say and the things that I'm, that I want to offer on my site. But I basically, I, I kind of want to close. God is my all. Uh, God is my all because he, you know, he gave me his all, you know, at, at the cross of Calvary. And therefore I am, I'm, I'm really, when it comes to this, the subject of life and from, let's take that back, not from life. When it comes to the subject of death, because that's what addiction is. It's, it's a bondage of captivity. It is death and in the whole, in the truest sense. So I'm not really going to be content for any philosophy of success to be godless and think, and I think every form of success of freedom in life or anything should be full of God. And I just want to, I've, I've already prayed <laughs> as I began, I've just launched, uh, I just launched a couple weeks ago. And I pray for God to exhaust me. And this is already, so I'm already, the way I'm waking up in the morning because of all that I've done on, online and, and the content that I'm putting together, I have like, I've kind of went back in time a little bit and I've visited emotions that I haven't even felt or thought of in years. And this is exhausting. But I've, I actually prayed that God would just exhaust me with those who, you know, would like to trust me to, to take this avenue to help them and come down to their level and give them the love of Christ, basically. Because that's what I want to do. I want to free people. I want to, I want, I want to just, I want to help. I really want to help. I want to help. So many, so many addicted people have broken families or they are in the process of breaking their own family or, or, turning their kids away or, or all kinds of things and the world don't need no more of that. Yeah. And addiction does all these things. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's what I want to kind of close with is that I, 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 everything that I'm doing is for what God has done for me. And I, and that's where I'm at with it. And I just want, you know, 
you know, my site, once again, is Breaking Bondage from Addiction. And it's kind of a long name, but that's what it is right now. And I have a free form on there for unchanged or un, unchanging hope. And I also, I want everybody to please schedule a 15-minute Zoom with me. It could be longer than 15 minutes, just schedule. And we'll talk about anything and everything before anything's even decided on. Yeah, no, I mean, you're a very personable person and they'll, as much as I like you, they'll like you. It's, um, yeah, I mean, anyone out there, please go to his site and just talk to him. Like I said, I we're doing a podcast, but I know, I believe, I mean, I hope I'm not forcing my friendship on you, but I believe we're going to stay in touch and, and support each other. And um, Absolutely, TJ. And I appreciate you. It was great to find you. Same here, buddy. Anything you need, you know, I know you even kind of hinted at maybe starting your own podcast or something, whatever. Whatever you need, you need anything, like just you need someone to talk to, uh, whatever. Just I'm around. Um, don't be afraid to get a hold of me. Um, so, yeah, and like I said, I appreciate you, and I'm very happy for you that you're sober and you're just living the life you should have been living a long time ago and that you deserve. Um, took you a while to, to earn it, but you got it. So, uh, you're, you're doing the necessary thing. Like, it's like, you know, they say like people get rich, but they're still not happy. But like you, you, you're like rich with, with like you have, it seems like you have everything in your life that you could ever want. And you know that, and you, you realize and you just want everyone to have it. And maybe that's not possible, but you're going to sure as hell try. Cause you know, right. you, you've seen you nearly saw death and you saw the worst of life and you don't, you know that there's people going through that currently and it, just, it breaks your heart. So, um, cause I know it, it affects me. I get attached to these things and I get attached to the guests and, and just things that are going on in the world. You know, I was just hanging out with a friend and she doesn't have a lot of money. She, she doesn't have a lot of money. And so she has so many issues and she struggles and it's like, I feel bad for her and I can't, I can't just give everybody my money. But I want to do what I can to just try to help her because I feel for her because I, I don't have that problem at this point in time. And because I don't have that problem, I want to help. Uh, and that's how I feel about everything out here. Like, I just want to try to help as many people as I can before I check out of this world. And so that's, that's all. And I know that's your goal as well. So, uh, like I said, it's great that we cross paths. And like I said, anything you need, man, just please holler and consider it done. Absolutely. Thank you so much, CJ, for your time today. I appreciate this. And I appreciate the off, uh, the offer that you gave me to make my uh, my thing known. Yeah, and you did great with the ums because I think you started off with one and then you did, you went – I don't remember the last time you said uh or um. So you did really? good. Yeah, you did really good. I mean, I didn't pay attention to it too much, but like, I, like in the very beginning you said one and then I'm like – Oh, now he's, <laughs> you got comfortable. Like I try my best to make people feel comfortable. Yes, just, you have. That was definitely an element that I have uh, sensitively noticed the whole time. So I'm grateful for that. Yes, well, I'm glad I was able to help you. And um, like I said, I don't think you need to worry about editing or anything. You did great. Um, but I promise you I'll let you know when it comes out. And I just thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. Uh, do you know how long at all or... That was a good interview, guys, and uh, thank you for being here with me. Um, getting ready to go bowling, uh, feeling a little up and down mentally. Just some changes that are going on in my life. So sometimes I kind of I I I tune my brain off 
that make any sense? Like I tune it out because I, I have to because mentally I, I start to shut down because change as much as change is necessary. It um sometimes I I, I get really depressed or I get anxious, especially anxious. Um, so just trying to get through it. I'll be all right. Start next week. I start my my new job. So we'll see how that goes. Um, it's actually the same company, just different job. I've done it before, but new management and things like that. We'll see, but I know it'll be fine. I, I just it's just me being me, and um, I was hoping I was past all this crap, but eh, I'm plagued with this mental health shit. What are you gonna do? Um, let me see a bullet will purr for you guys because he has a sweet voice. Bullet, you wanna you wanna purr us out? Hey, over here. Everybody likes you. I talk about you, and then when you come in, and you can you can pour us out. Everyone just loves it. They love you, bullet. They love you way more than you love me, which I don't blame them because you're friggin' cute. And if you do want to see a picture of bullet, um, he is on my Instagram. Uh, what the hell is it? I, I gotta stop changing the name. It's like I think it's at TJ Safe Space for All on Instagram. Um, so yeah. If you want to see pictures of Bullet, he is on there. There's videos of him kneading. Um, love my little guy, my best friend. He gets me through some tough times. And so, um, yeah, I hope you have a good pet for if you don't have kids or a love, like a lover. Um, a lover. If you don't have someone you're living with and you just, you're just kind of a loner or whatever, hopefully you have a good pet. Someone, and it doesn't have to be a cat. I mean, there's people who love snakes. Whatever is your animal. Uh, I'm not here to judge. But, you know, love that animal up. Hopefully they give you unconditional love back. Because um, I let Bullet do whatever he wants with, within reason. But basically he can do mostly anything around here. Um, and he's a, he's a good boy. And so I I, I uh, miss him when he's not around, you know, when I'm working or not around him. And so it, it, it's just the greatest thing ever is when I come home and he's just happy to see me. It just makes me feel appreciated and just loved and um, there's nothing in this world that can like take that from me or, or, or sadden me at that point in time. So anyway, <clears throat> babbling, thank you guys. And, um, if you guys are having any troubles out there with any addiction, you know, look up your resources that can help you with that. Um, I am not your addiction doctor, but, um, I have these people on that can help you because I know there, it's a huge problem, huge epidemic out here. And, um, so please talk to somebody find the proper resources and and it's not easy so just take it take your time and um just try just keep putting in effort you're gonna fail sometimes but just don't please don't give up that is literally the key thing to have if you have if you if you're a fighter and you're you have the inner strength and continues to push you in a direction where you want to do better that's something um, and find that thing that, that you're fighting to get back to, you know, whether it's you're trying to be a better father or mother, or you're trying to, you know, be a better friend or, or boyfriend or girlfriend, husband or wife, brother or sister, whatever it is that you're, you're just trying to be a better, you know, better at your job. You're trying to just live a better life. Just please, um, keep pushing. Just don't give up. No matter what happens, keep going. Um, and I'll see you guys on the next one. And I appreciate you all being here with me. Thanks, everybody.
Thank you.